Father, thank you that you have given us the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and that he lives. Thank you for how that changes everything. Thank you for the reminder that the resurrection is death's death. May we celebrate that well. It's in Christ's precious and matchless name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Grab your Bible. Go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. I've got good news and bad news for you. First, actually it's good news for me, bad news for you is probably the way I want to say it. My timer says I have 187 minutes left to preach. So, (laughs) all right, I think I'm up for it. I'm not sure. Hey, if you're a guest with us this morning, we are so glad that you have made the choice to join us. Um, For some of you, we saw you at Christmas. I hope the year has been going well. Welcome back. And you got to get some mileage out of the tie, man. You wear Christmas Eve, wear Easter, it's cool. So, no, we're glad you're here. If you don't mind, uh, we love to pray for you. We'd love to pray for you. So if you would reach to the seat back in front of you, pull out one of those prayer cards, just let us know you're here. Let us know how we can pray for you. Or even better, if you take that uh, seat ticket that you were given on the way in, you scan that QR code, you can punch that right in, and, and, and it gives us an opportunity to respond to you real quick. With those prayer cards, you can drop them uh, in the offering boxes on the way out or at the welcome station, whatever you like. One more thing just to remind you of is when we finish our time together, if you're sitting here like, I need to talk to somebody. I need somebody to come alongside me and pray for me. Well, we have a section set up in that back corner. There's a, a sign that says prayer. Our prayer team will meet with you back there immediately after the service. Please go back there. Uh, introduce yourself. They will introduce themselves to you, and they would love to pray for you. I've got, again... This is actually really good news for you, but you'll see how I can stretch it. I've only got one thing to tell you all morning long. It's just one thing. It's the exact same thing that the angels told the women, or the angel told the women at the tomb, and it's very simple. Okay, you ready? Here it is. He's not here. He has been raised just as he said. How simple is that, right? And we get all dressed up. But I don't want to waste your fancy outfit. We've got to stretch this a little bit. So uh, there's a tradition. There's a, you'll understand why I'm about to do this. There's a tradition in the church that's gone back for hundreds of years, and I'm going to change that tradition just for today. Okay, now normally, the tradition is this. I would say, he is risen, and you would respond, he is risen indeed. Okay, so let's do that just so we can say, get it out of our system. Anyway, he is risen. But for today, I want to tweak that. When I say he is risen, I want you to say, yes, he is. You're not buying it, are you? <laughs> trust me. Just trust me. Ready? He is risen. Yes, he is. risen. See, we don't talk like he is risen indeed. Oh, that's not how we talk. And so I want to put it in your vernacular because there's something comforting. There's something remarkable. There's something amazing about the person of Jesus Christ and how he treats us even now after the resurrection. So let's try it one more time. He's risen. Yes, he is. All right, good. I wasn't sure if I lost you. I'm glad I didn't. So. The, 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 the message of Easter is, is nothing but encouraging. It changes everything, but it happens in the context of some really dark days. You know, the life of Christ, as, as it comes to a, an end in that final day of being mocked and beaten and tormented and tortured and all these different things, there were women who followed like secret ninjas <laughs> along the outside of everything, just, just watching what was happening. Their names are listed in a number of different places in the Gospels. Matthew lists them as Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and this other lady, we, we believe her to be Salome, who's the mother of Zebedee's sons. What they're watching is really hard for them to watch. 
They've spent the last three years, it says, working among the disciples, following Jesus, listening to his teaching, falling in love with Jesus. And now, what they are seeing before their very eyes is the one who spoke and the winds and waves obeyed him is being mocked by humanity. The, 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 the one who walked on the water is being stretched out on a cross and having his hands and feet affixed to the cross by long spikes, not these little penny nails. No, these are spikes, railroad spikes. The, the, one, the one who took the little boy's lunch, right? Five loaves, two fish, opened it up, blessed it, handed it out, and with a little boy's lunch fed more than 5,000 people, that same one is now on the cross and barely has enough strength to whisper the words, I thirst. And that's what they're watching. The one they had come to love is broken, wounded, mocked. And then after six hours hanging on the cross, he cries out, it's finished. There's no comparison that I can make. There's no illustration. I love talking in pictures, right? I love sharing experiences that help you. There is no picture that I can paint for you verbally for what that moment had to have felt like for those women who were standing at a distance and watching. The expectations, the, the love, the respect they had for Jesus. And he had done so much for them and it was so good for so very long. And now, it's just dark. There's this secret disciple named Joseph of Arimathea who came and he asked Pilate if he could have the body and Pilate agreed. And so he took the body of Jesus from the cross. He went to the tomb that was his to, to lay Jesus in the tomb and he, he had a buddy of his, Nicodemus, come alongside and give him a hand, and the women, it says, sat outside watching them work, watching Joseph, watching Nicodemus embalm, watching them um, wrap the body of Jesus Christ and put him uh, in his burial shroud, put him into the tomb. And, and so they, they sat there in the shadow and watched these two men bury their Jesus. This wasn't some popular figure. This wasn't like Michael Jackson died and everybody showed up outside of his, of his, his estate just so they could get a peek inside. This was their Jesus. They shared meals with him. They conversed with him. They, they, they touched him. They watched him do miracles. They, they laughed with him. They cried with him. This is their Jesus. And they sit there in an utter, absolute disbelief, realizing that the same one who stood in front of Lazarus's tomb and said, remove the stone, just had a stone rolled in front of his own tomb. This is the one who, who raised the little girl to life. This is the one who, who watched a, a funeral procession coming out of a town with this young man going to be buried and his mom weeping, mourning, grieving because this was her only child and Jesus said mama don't weep and spoke the word and that little man rose from the dead this is the same Jesus who after commanding Lazarus to come out of his grave told other people hey remove the burial shroud from him get the rags off of him this same Jesus is now wrapped in his own burial shroud the rags are wrapped around him and he is placed in his own 
grave. And these women, these two women in particular, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, just sit and stare. At some point, they would have had to gather enough strength to head to their homes, but I'm assuming that they didn't leave their grief behind. There's a whole day that goes by, a full Saturday, a full Sabbath, where they're not allowed to be at the tomb mourning the loss of their Jesus. They're at home. What's running through your mind that whole day? As the tape plays in your head of the conversations you had with Jesus, as you remember him speaking and teaching, I am the way, the truth, and the life. As you remember him saying, no, I am the light of the world. As you hear him say, I'm the resurrection and the life, and yet here he is laying in a grave. I'm assuming you didn't rest very much during that Sabbath. And that brings us to Matthew 28, verse 1, because now it's morning. And it says this. After the Sabbath on that first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. These, these two head back to the tomb. It's not Peter. It's not Andrew. It's not James and John. It's the women. Verse 2, there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and he was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. Okay, so there's this violent earthquake. It shakes everything. This angel descends from heaven and rolls the stone aside. Now, and then he sits on top of it. Just a couple of quick things we need to understand. The biblical reality of a messenger coming from God, what, what an angel is, a messenger from God, the biblical reality of angels is far different than our puny little idea of what an angel looks like. Angels are not chubby babies wearing diapers trying to get you a date in February. Every time a messenger of God comes, every time an angel comes on the scene, it is immediately followed by the command, don't be afraid. You know why? Because you're afraid. These things are terrifying. And, and I love this. This is a total boss move, isn't it? Roll the stone aside, jump up on top of it. And, and listen, the guards are like, it says they're shaken with fear and they've become like dead men. It's, I don't know, the, you, how do you protect yourself when a bear attacks? You play like you're dead. How do you protect yourself when an angel shows up? You pretend you're, I don't know. All I know is they're like, they're frozen in absolute fear. And you can almost sense them like, and, and now if I was the angel, and we know I'm not, I'd be sitting up on the stone and I'd be like, ah. Boo! <laughs> But everything changes in just this, this moment because the women approach the tomb and the angel comforts them immediately. Verse 5, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. So come here, you, you can look, see the place where he laid. Then go quickly, tell his disciples he's risen from the dead and indeed he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen. I have told you. So the angel's up on top of this thing. Guys, relax, relax. It's okay, it's okay. I got some good news. Good news. No, shh, shh, shh. I know why you're here. But he's not here. He is risen. Oh, come on. That's about a 20%. Or we can do better. 
He is risen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he told you it was going to happen. So the stone is rolled away. Not so Jesus, Jesus can get out. You see that here, right? Please understand, my Jesus doesn't get held back by no puny little stone. Jesus doesn't get held in his tomb because I, now, oh well, the plan of God has been thwarted. Now the stone is rolled back so that the ladies can walk in and take a look and say, how? Oh, he is. I think it's really important you also understand when the angel is speaking, it's not saying that Jesus is gone. He's alive. He's going to meet you in Galilee. Go tell his disciples. This, that gone means psh, we're done. They're done. I got no other answers. Done. Might as well go home and mope some more. But uh, risen, that means the party's just getting started. Look at verse 8. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Listen to that description. With fear and great joy. All right. We're going to give this a shot and see how this goes. I want you to think about a time in your life where you had both emotions at the exact same time. Fear, great joy. Does anything come to mind for any of you? Shout it out loud if you're brave enough. Giving birth. Every time we are 100% of this. 100%. And, and, and the, I'll tell you and be really transparent, that's just from the husband's side. We'll get to, women, don't, don't bail on me. I'm coming back, I promise. But let me tell you my story. My wife and I, we're young, we're excited. She's very pregnant. Oh, it's time to have the baby. We go to the hospital. The contractions weren't even hurting yet. They put that little strappy thing on, and you can watch it on the monitor, like, and they're not hurting yet, so we're both like, yeah, look, at this. here comes one. <laughs> Quickly learned that that had to stop later in the evening. Um, but, <laughs> but as we're sitting there laughing and just be like, this is amazing. Oh, it doesn't hurt at all. This is going to be precious. From down the hall, in another delivery room, came this scream that was satanic. <laughs> and I did. In that moment, I'm like, I'm so excited. Please don't do that, honey. <laughs> and obviously, I've not experienced it from the other side. But as you know what's approaching, there's fear. But as you know what's approaching, there's joy. And then, then hold your baby for the first time. Both of those feelings collide like that. Here I am holding this little kid like, oh my goodness, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one. They got them all. And it's got my earlobes to boot. Woo! I apologize to my children for giving them my earlobes. But having this kid... It's being like, and all you're like, holy smokes, he does have huge earlobes. Now you know. Um, but holding this kid, and it's like, this is amazing. I'm a, I don't even want to. And then it cries for the first time. And you suddenly realize you have no idea what you're doing. I'm supposed to raise this kid? I'm not even mature enough myself. I, I, I can't watch out for myself. How am I? I don't even know how to change a diaper. How? This kid is going to rely, I mean, so it's the joy and the fear. These women leave that tomb, and they are racked with fear. And please hear me, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is terrifying. But unfortunately, you and I have grown numb to it. You go to a grave, 
to visit a, 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 a grave of a friend of yours, bringing flowers. You show up, that grave is empty. That's nerve-wracking a bit. You show up to a tomb to see Jesus, and you have this angelic messenger of God standing there going, no, no, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. You are freaking out. Because in that moment, what happens is it proves that Jesus has conquered death, and that he is the everlasting king of kings. You should be afraid. This isn't just some religious leader who taught some, some good things and said some nice things and helped some people find fulfillment and peace. This was the son of God, God in flesh, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He walked with you. <laughs> it should make you nervous. But it should also fill you with incredible joy. Because if the story ended with the cross... Well, we'll find somebody else. But because he's alive, it tells us his victory is complete. God came to earth for them, not to condemn them, but as a friend to save them. Every claim he made, every promise he extended, every single one of them is true for you. Brother, sister, if you're in Jesus Christ, I've got really good news. The empty tomb tells us that your failure is no longer what defines you. You may fail. You're not a failure. The empty tomb defines you. The power of our risen Savior defines you. Guilt doesn't get the last word. Jesus Christ assumed all the guilt upon himself. There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. The good news is that pain won't last forever. You know how hard it was to get out of bed this morning? And I can make a little joke about that, but there are people sitting in this room this morning who had to give everything they possibly could, and it took them 20, 30, 40 minutes even to have the strength and the ability to get out of bed this morning because the pain is so severe. The resurrection shows you that that kind of pain is not going to have the last word. Fear doesn't have to control you. Man, we all have fear, but I tell you what, the sovereign king of the world, the sovereign king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who is everlasting and always alive. He is eternal. He knows the end from the beginning. We can trust him. Sin has been conquered. Death has been defeated. Folks, the resurrection changes everything. And, 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 and I'm not arrogant enough to be like, but I have the real point here coming up. But... but that's all awesome. This is the one that rocked me this week. Look at verse 9. The ladies have departed to the tomb with fear and great joy. They ran to tell the disciples the good news. And just then, Jesus met them. He said, greetings. They came up. They took hold of his feet. They worshiped him. Jesus told them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. And they will see me there. I, I wish that there was a translation committee who put together an English translation of the Bible that had the guts to translate that word the way it's supposed to be translated. See, when Jesus meets the ladies, he doesn't use a very formal greetings and salutations. This is how you would greet the closest of friends. This is the most informal, casual greeting that existed in that language. So I don't know about you, 
when I walk into the office and see all my friends here, I'm not like, greetings! Actually, sometimes I do. That's messed up. <laughs> no, it's, hey, how are you? Good morning! Right? Uh, somebody suggested that Jesus might have been like, ladies, but Jesus isn't a creep, so he didn't do that. Um, The everlasting King of Kings, the resurrection and the life, our eternal Lord and Savior, looked at his friends and said, hey, and they fell on their faces, and they responded in an absolutely personal way. They grabbed his feet, they worshiped him because this is you! This is our you. This isn't some religious figure. This, this isn't some huge monstrosity of a personality who's overall. No, this is you. This is my friend. This is Jesus. You are him, and you are mine. And that's the hope that the resurrection gives us today. That this personal relationship that we can have with Jesus Christ is so incredibly personal. It's so incredibly legitimate. It's so incredibly encouraging. It's so incredibly life-giving. And it's so incredibly holy and wonderful and otherworldly. But at the same time, it's familiar and personal. (laughs) You ready? He's risen. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Not only is it personal, when it comes to these women who were looking for him. But it's personal in the fact that Jesus went for the men who ran away from him. You go tell my disciples, I'm going to meet them in Galilee. I can't wait to see him now. Now, he could have said, you go tell those backstabbers to never talk to me again. But he didn't. He said, you go, you go tell the boys. Ladies, you go tell the boys. I'll meet you in Galilee. We'll hang out. See, no matter how dark the darkness is that you're walking through right now, And I know some of you have faced some very real, significant darkness over the last year. Some of you are sitting here today in the middle of the darkness. And I don't know what your darkness is, but I'm I'm certain it's real and it feels as real as it is. But today, of all days, reminds us that the resurrection is a light that crashes through the darkness. So regardless of who you feel like you are, the light of the resurrection tells you you are his. You know that? (laughs) There's only one thing I can tell you today. Nothing more, nothing less. It's the very same thing the angel told the two women who went to Jesus' tomb. Hey, he's not here. He's risen. Just as he said. (laughs) Thank God for his resurrection. Father, thank you for the power of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the the reason to celebrate. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. Lord, it is amazing to be reminded that in the darkest of days, in in the day where everything seemed to have just turned a corner that would never come back, that you kicked down the door of the tomb and Jesus Christ victoriously rose from the dead. Father, I thank you that what you give to us is a reminder of your goodness to us. You give us a reminder that you're going to come back. And so, Lord, come quickly. But even more than that, what you remind us of today is that all of our hope is anchored in Jesus and in Jesus alone. So, Father, I pray that you would give us full eyes of the light of the resurrection. 
May whatever darkness we're facing begin to fade away as we gaze at your face, as we gaze at the power of the resurrection, as we gaze at the empty tomb. Remind us of the living hope that we have. For it's in the name of our hope, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.